This is the Holland Assets Podcast, where we'll show you how to go from employee truck driver to savvy business owner. And we'll do it together because we're starting our own trucking company, Holland Assets. So you'll get a front row seat through the whole process. Together with some experts in the field, we'll teach you how to set up a business, buy a truck, get your DOT and MC numbers, get insurance, and a lot more. Thanks for joining us. Welcome everybody to the Holland Assets Podcast. This is episode number 27, and this one is affectionately referred to as Don't Get Screwed, Part 2, Broker Edition. So <laughs> really, <laughs> I'm really looking forward to this one. I am Craig, uh, hosting today once again, and Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Chris, you're out on the road today again. How's it going? I am. I'm, I'm on, uh, it's going well. I'm on the uh, absolutely beautiful I-80 right in between uh, Wyoming and Nebraska. Absolutely beautiful. Just uh, <laughs> sagebrush galore. It's a it, it's a real it's a real postcard moment there for you. Well, uh, absolutely. Uh, today, like I said, we're we're continuing our don't get screwed discussion. This is from a couple of weeks ago when we started this, and uh, today we're continuing with some more tips that you've got, Chris, for people. We kind of teased that a little bit, and so I'm looking forward to getting into that. But I do want want to remind people as we get started uh, to make sure you go to hollandassetsllc.com to check out full show notes. Uh, make sure you go to motorcarrierhq.com. I think there might be a place or two uh, that we may want to mention as well today, but we'll get there. So part of the reason we are talking about this is that, you know, Chris, you've learned a lot out on the road and you've been out doing this for a while now. How long has it been that uh, you've been running this company now, the Holland Assets? Six months, I've, seven months? I've been out on the road seven months. Time flies. <laughs> that it does that it does and it's going well i mean you're learning a lot i assume yeah uh, learning a ton and you know it's kind of funny because i get asked by people all the time like why in the world are you doing this both from you know people in the trucking industry from other drivers and and you know just from my friends you know that i'm, I'm not home very much and you know if, if you've drive you know you know what it's like and so i've had a ton of people asking me that and i think it's probably a good time to kind of take a little bit of a step back and let's talk a little bit about why I'm doing this, uh, you know, maybe kind of remind everybody about my background, kind of maybe a little bit about what qualifies me to do this and start the episode that way. Yeah, no, absolutely. I guess we can get to kind of the, the don't get screwed stuff in a few moments, but now you've got me interested, Chris. So, <laughs> so tell me why it is you do this, because if I can kind of preface this with my own question, I mean, you've been running businesses for years now, right? Uh, a decade or two and, and, they seem to be going well, successful, and then you kind of stepped into this. Uh, you you started out again, right? A new entrepreneur role, doing the owner operator thing when you didn't really have to. It seemed to me, right? Yeah, no, it's it's definitely not something I've I've had to do at least from like a financial perspective or trying to improve my my life situation. But yeah, like like you said, I've been running my own businesses for about two decades. I've I've been working in the trucking industry and with owner operators for about 15 years and own started and own and still run and own um, several businesses. And we, we've talked a little bit about those uh, along the, the way. And, and it's really the, the foundation in those businesses that has really led me to 
want to do what I'm doing. So you, if you remember right, Motor Carrier HQ, we've talked a little bit about this that on the show. That business helps uh, independent owner operators kind of go through the startup process, and then we'll help trucking companies with some of their administra- administrative tasks like you know, DOT compliance and fuel tax reporting, IFTA reports, and, and, and all the all things. the fun stuff that we talk about on this show. Yeah, all the fun stuff that nobody wants to do, we do that. Yeah. <laughs> then I've, I, my other company, I Thrive Funding, that helps with cash flow and billing paperwork through factoring, and then I've got tracking assets that helps trucking companies with their accounting and taxes, a little bit of payroll, things like that. And so with with all those businesses, I mean, that's a wide array of services that you provide to people who are out on the road, right? These owner operators. And so is it the case that you were looking for more insight? Because it seems like you would have gotten a lot of insight into what it means to be uh, an owner operator just from those businesses. Is that are you, are you trying to get more insight or is there something else going on with Holland Assets? That's a great question. And and yeah, I, I have wanted to get a little bit of insights. That's one of the reasons I've done it is to better understand, you know, the perspective of our, of our owner operators. Um, you know, there's nothing like living an experience to really be able to relate to and help other people. And so that's, that's definitely one of the reasons, but really the biggest reason of why I decided to do this and what really got me my, my wheels turn is over the years, you know, I've, I've, I've had a lot of clients in the trucking industry that have started their own trucking companies and we've helped them through that startup process. I've watched them. A lot of these guys have become my friends and, and good business acquaintances, people that I, I really, really like. And I, and I've seen a lot of them, struggle. I've seen some of them go out of business. And a lot of the times it's because they, they really don't understand the business side of things. And um, they, they're great drivers. They're great operating um, trucks. They, they know what they're doing there. They're phenomenal and successful at that. But when they make that transition to also doing the business side of things, a, a lot of the times that's, that's very new to them. And it's not like anything they've ever done before. They don't have that experience. And I thought, you're creating this podcast and letting people follow that, um, what I'm doing and follow that experience would help them see the business side of things. And we can kind of teach them a, a system to help them become successful business owners so that they can take their driving experience and their experience in the trucking industry that they've already established and then add the business side onto it and really give them all the tools, education and resources they need so that they can be successful at it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know that uh, despite my best efforts to remain as ignorant as possible, uh, I've uh, unfortunately I've learned a lot, Chris. It, I've tried my best not to, but uh, I have learned a lot, a lot from talking to you about all this stuff. I weirdly feel like I could get out there and start an owner operator business, uh, you know, someday. Well, that, that's saying a lot, Craig, because I mean, <laughs> if we can teach you how to do this, we can teach anybody how to do this. Yes, well, uh, I, I'm not going to even fight that. So that's pretty much <laughs> that's pretty much accurate. But I, I'm guessing that I, I'm guessing that it is different, right? It's different talking to these guys who are out doing it versus getting out and doing it yourself. So I'm curious, what are some of the the biggest takeaways? I mean, this isn't what the whole episode is supposed to be about, but I am curious now. What are some big takeaways from seven months on the road? Lessons that you've learned. You know, it, it kind of surprises me because I've been around drivers, I've been around owner operators in the industry for a long time now, but it's just, it's a whole different thing actually going out and doing it. Like I've, I've, I've had physically demanding jobs in the past. I've worked on a farm, 
you know, where you're, you know, especially during the, the summer, you're working 80 hours a week, you know, in the military where I've been in really austere environments and conditions, you know, away from home, lack of sleep, all that kind of stuff. But I just didn't realize how much a lot of that kind of stuff happens when you're driving a truck. I mean, the no regular sleep pattern. Um, you're up and down all the time. It's physically demanding, long days, mentally challenging. It, it's stressful when things go wrong, when things break down, when you know you're, a shipper's delayed you or a receiver's delayed you a long time and you're not going to make your next, next pickup time. All that stuff is, is stressful. And, and really, that's one of the things that's really been eye-opening to me is, is how difficult the job is both you know, physically and mentally, uh, it's just, it's tough. I, it's, it's totally expanded my appreciation for drivers and what they go through day in and day out. No, absolutely. I'm sure it's given you yeah a lot more empathy for what they do, right? Yeah, for sure. So tell me more then about what made you, so I understand from a business owner perspective, you wanted to kind of get uh, a better perspective on what your clients are going through, but then why the podcast? Uh, you know, why is it that you called me up and said, hey, I, I want to make a podcast? Uh, what What's the purpose of this? Just because I think that would probably be, you know, our, our, our clients are in a truck all day long. They can't watch something, but they can listen to something. And so I thought this would be the best way, the best medium to really kind of teach those lessons would be through a podcast. And, you know, we, we've tried to make it uh, entertaining and, and obviously it's 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 free to listen to and uh hopefully accessible for everybody yeah well it is it's it is free i don't foresee it ever not being free it's also ad free right now do you foresee that being the case for the future um i don't know that it'll always be ad free i mean after all like everybody else i want to make some money so um i i would be open to the possibility that uh, we may we may throw some ads on it at some point but that, that'd be pretty minimal you chris really... you want to make money <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's that seems to be like the uh, my driving force in my entire life is I I am a little bit motivated by money. Well, yeah, there is. Hey, who isn't right? That's uh, who isn't. Got got to have it anyway. Okay, well that's that's interesting. Anything else you want to note on this before we actually move on to the subject at hand? Um, no, just to you know, kind of talk maybe a little bit more about you know one of the reasons I'm I'm also doing this just to be a hundred percent transparent is. I do have these businesses in the industry, and um, I, we don't charge for the podcast. But one thing we would ask for people is is when they are considering using a the type of service that one of my businesses use, that they consider us and, and, and think about us. So, you know, if there's somebody out there that wants to start their own trucking company or needs some help with compliance, they can go to uh, check out Motor Carry HQ at MotorCarryHQ.com, or if they need help managing cash flow, helping with their billing process. And factoring might be an option for them um, that they go to ithrivefunding.com and, and uh, check us out there. And, and, you know, hopefully we can uh, we can help out one way or another. Yeah. OK. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Increase your visibility and, and make sure that that uh, you're getting your name out there. Absolutely. Sure. OK. Well, so let's go ahead and start the uh, the don't get screwed part of the conversation. Well, uh, I guess let's pretend this is the beginning of an episode and I want to ask you how the road has been, what's been going on out there and do you have any awesome stories? Cause I always look um, forward to this part. Yeah, it's, it's been going pretty well. I, did I talk about the last time I, I went and delivered to one of the caves in Missouri? Okay. Uh, they, I didn't even is know that they, new? 
do they have caves in Missouri? Yeah, there's there's caves that that Missouri has these big, huge caverns and caves, like just gargantuan, huge. Really? And there's a few of them that they've they've built into cold storage facilities because you you know it's got to be a lot cheaper to um, you know s- store stuff underground where it's already you know 40 degrees and maybe now you only have to cool it down to you know a few degrees to get it you know, refrigerator temperature or just a few more. To, to freezer temperature versus outside. So they, they use these. And I, I delivered to one a while back, but it was one where you drop the trailer and they tra- take the trailer in and out of the cave. Well, I, I went to one a, a week, a little over a week ago, and I actually got to drive the truck inside the cave, back up to a door in the cave, and they unload everything there. It was kind of a you know cool experience. You're driving this big old semi underground, and I took a video of it. I, I'm and I'm going to post it at some point. I just it, it ended up being two videos, me going in and me going out. And I got to figure out how to splice them together and then kind of speed it up. Once I got that figured out, I'm going to post it. But it was pretty fun. That sounds kind of cool. It's uh, I, I don't know what else to say about it other than I would like to do that sort of thing. I love caves. <laughs> well, you can watch the video and pretend like you're sitting in a truck. <laughs> it's almost like the real thing. Yeah, just about. All right. Well, so tell me then. Today, Chris, we're talking about brokers. What is it that you want to bring up as far as don't get screwed? Is it just a matter of good brokers, bad brokers? Is there more to it than that? There's a little more to it than that. But yeah, there's, I mean, there's good brokers, bad brokers, and there's some fraudulent people who try to pretend like they're brokers. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. And, you know, most new trucking companies, when you're first starting out, you're going to rely heavily, if not exclusively on brokers. And so they're going to have a major impact in your business and you kind of need to understand a little bit about them, how they operate so that you can avoid some of the problems that they, they, they can sometimes cause. And and the brokers are the people getting the loads, right? They're arranging loads and pickups and drop-offs and all that. Yeah, they're kind of the middleman between the shippers who are actually shipping products and the trucking companies. Okay, I just wanted to make sure that my lessons are sticking from you know episode eight or whatever it was. Uh, okay, so... That makes sense. And I i mean, I know in my own business dealings, there are good and bad actors, right? People that treat me well, people that don't treat me well, the ones I want to go back to, the ones I don't. Is that what we're getting at with brokers today? Yeah, absolutely. I, I like to kind of refer to this, you know, a little bit about what you're describing, kind of my experience with brokers and really a lot of different businesses in my life is you've got these um, two different types of relationships. You've got what is considered a transactional relationship, and then you've got a long-lasting relationships. Okay, so what's the difference between the two transactional versus long-term extended relationships? I, I think a good way to kind of um, explain that is, is really kind of look at uh, buying and selling experiences. So I, I've talked a little bit about this in the past. I, I, I really like to buy used things off of Craigslist. Well, when you ever you buy something off a of Craigslist, it's it's a very transactional relationship. You're probably never going to see that person again. You don't really care about establishing a relationship, and so most of the time, both both sides of that transaction are going to try to do everything they can and negotiate hard to get their best deal. And and really, the seller in that situation, they don't give a dang if you know two minutes down the road that product that they sold you breaks. They don't, they don't really care about that thing. They just want to get their money and run. Um, so that's a, that's a good example of a um, transactional relationship. Yeah, no, absolutely. It reminds me of uh, you know a car dealer, or I guess in your case, somebody, a truck dealership, right? Somebody who's going to sell you a truck, and if they just don't care, 
uh, you know, they're going to move lemons off the lot. Uh, I don't know if I don't know if trucks are referred to as lemons. <laughs> so, yeah, there are for sure. Uh, you know, versus somebody who's going to try to take care of you because you know that either you'll be back in a few years or you're going to refer your friends or whatever the case may be. Right. Yeah. And th- and those guys that do that kind of thing. So you take that that truck dealership that um, sells you a truck and say five minutes down the road, it breaks down. Well, they bring the truck back and they fix it on their own dime and, and just do everything that they can to take care of you. That's a, a lasting relationship. And and those are, are really good to have. But in the, in the broker world, it, you're never going to be able to, at least when you're starting off, you're never going to be able to get all your loads from brokers who are interested in developing a, a, a lasting relationship with you. For the most part, they're going to be very transactional. They're one and done type of transaction with you and they're going to move on and not think about you. So keeping that in mind, you really kind of have to be careful and you kind of have to protect yourself because some of them are going to try to play tricks on you. And, and even if they're not necessarily trying to play tricks on you, they're going to, they're not going to, you know, be the kind of company that, that repairs that truck once it's left their facility. And so you've got to protect yourself on the front end. Right. Absolutely. And this makes a lot of sense to me when we're talking about uh, purchasing a an actual product, in this case, the truck itself. But how does this translate to the services that a broker would provide? What are you, what are you getting at when you talk about brokers acting this way? Well, there, there's just, there's some things that can happen that they can do that will make it so that you don't get paid for your load or you don't get paid your entire load. And maybe it's something that you kind of did on because you made a mistake and, and they're not going to be interested in helping you fix that. And so, You've got to just be careful up front and make sure you dot your I's and cross your T's and do everything that you're supposed to so that you don't so they you don't leave the door open for them to take advantage of you. And you've sent me this this is maybe one of my favorite things you've ever done, Chris, is instead of sending me a a spreadsheet, it's an actual bullet list in a word document that you know makes sense to my my writer's brain, right? Um, but you've got a few items here and I want you to dig into them for me and help explain, uh, you know, your, your list of ways that brokers can screw you over. Yeah, great. So I, yeah, I I do have a list. It's not a spreadsheet. Um, just for you, I did that. It's delightful. It's absolutely wonderful. Don't expect that kind of service to continue. (laughs) This is a, this is a highly transactional relationship. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So I've listed out four or five things here, and we're going to kind of go through them in order of the things that are going to have the biggest impact or potentially have the biggest impact on you. So there are things that can happen in a, in a, in a contract between you and a broker that can prevent you from getting paid from the, for the load. And, and, and those are the first things that we're going to talk about. So I recently had this happen to me, and it, and it kind of killed me. Well, that may be exaggerating a little bit, but it hurt. <laughs> Um, I delivered a load. Well, let me, let me kind of step back about, it was about two or three months ago. Um, we, we found Jake and I found a load and we start looking at it and it was originally posted under one broker and it was actually a broker that was trying to help a buddy out. And to make a long story short, he ended up not being able to haul that, that new broker was not able to haul that or run that load through his buddy's brokerage. And so he decided to do it on his own. And when I went to the, we we go to the factoring company, we have to get him approved first and see if the factoring company will allow us to haul for that broker. And the factoring company said, well, this is a brand new guy. It's not normally the kind of, um, 
broker we'd, we'd let you haul a load for. And um, so you can do it. Um, there, there's nothing negative or bad that, that really causes red flags. It's just the fact that the guy is new and there's no history. It's like having a zero credit score, right? right. This guy has no credit score, no proof that he's going to do what he's supposed to do. And so we, Jake and I talked a little bit about it, and I decided it was my decision. I decided to roll the dice, but, but uh, I thrive. My factoring company that I do, I, I run my own business through, they treat me just like any other regular client. We're trying to make this as, as normal as we can. They said, we're not going to buy this, this invoice unless it's on a recourse basis, meaning that they, if, if it goes bad, they're going to charge me back for the... Uh, the, the money that they advanced me. I said, uh, okay, I, I, I want to take the load. I'm going to do it. I, I rolled the dice. I took the risk, even though I was kind of being told that you may not, you may want to be careful here. So to make a long story short, a couple months later, the broker had never paid it. They ended up going out of business and I ended up having to pay. It was, it was I can't remember exactly how much it was. It was like 2,500 bucks back to the factoring company because they never got paid for it. Now the, to kind of add to that, though, there's been a, a bond filed on them. There's a, still a chance that I may get that money back or at least part of it, probably get at least part of it, um, maybe all of it, but I, I, I won't know for another couple of months. And in the meantime, I had to pay that money back to iThrive that they had uh, advanced. Me. Well, so, I mean, it's an illustrative story, right? It's We, we complain sometimes about uh, you know, whether it's a something like iThrive, some factoring company, or if it's a bank or whatever, and they talk about risk management, and you roll your eyes and you're like, eh, that's, that doesn't apply to me, but it's a real thing, right? They get burned and they don't want to get burned. Yeah. And that's, you know, you, you kind of think you always, and this is what I was thinking when I made that decision. Ah, oh, it's not going to happen to me. It's not, not that likely. Well, lo and behold, another, another rookie mistake that I made learning lessons the hard way um, it, it happened. And, and so that's the point of whole, this whole thing of, of preventing yourself from not getting paid from brokers is check the credit on the broker. So every factoring company that I've ever dealt with, dealt with has a portal that their clients can either call one of their account managers or go online, enter the MC number for that broker and see, you know, typically get an, an automatic approval right then, whether or not they'll, they'll um, purchase the invoice from that that particular brokerage and check those load boards oftentimes have credit scores for brokerages check those and and if the if the credit score is low take that into account and it just may not be worth the risk to to take that load right absolutely absolutely well let's move on to the next item then chris all right so so some other things that can kind of prevent you from getting paid or not not getting completely paid are missing paperwork so um, you know, you, with every transaction that you do with a brokerage, you're going to get a rate confirmation sheet that you get before you haul the load that, that's the contract for how much they're going to pay you. And then you're also going to get the, the bill of lading once you pick the load up, the BOL, bill of lading, you'll get that. And then when you deliver the load, the shipper or the receiver signs the bill of lading saying that they receive the entire product that's on there. So you've got to keep that paperwork, especially that BOL with a signature on it, it's a really critical piece. And, and you know, in, in my factoring company, we've seen tons and tons of times where the driver or sometimes even the owner operator um, misses, loses some of the paperwork. And we have to try to track it down directly from the receiver and it's a pain in the butt. And sometimes you just can't 
track it down. And, and if the broker wants to be a stickler, you're going to have a hard time getting paid for that load if you can't provide that proof of delivery, that BOL. Right. Well, the first example kind of sounded like, you know, it, it could be potentially a company that is what you like to call snake in the grass. You know, they, they may not be totally on the up and up, but this example sounds more just like, uh, maybe they're incompetent or lazy or something. Right. But either well, way well, you get burned. You, yeah, you, you get burned. They, some, some of these transactional brokers, um, they're not doing necessarily anything illegal, but you're not providing the, the paperwork that you're required to on your end. They're not going to go the extra mile to try to find it. They don't care. And they're not going to pay you if you can't provide what you're supposed to provide. Right, right. Okay, well, let's go on then, Chris, to the next item. Um, Another thing that is kind of tied in with this BOL, every once in a while it'll happen that you'll show up at a shipper, and this typically happens with like the small mom-and-pop shippers. I've never seen or heard of this happening with a big guy, but they won't even have a BOL, and they'll just want to load the product onto the truck, and and, and that can cause problems. So it's always a good (laughs) idea to carry what... So I was just going to say, I imagine that would cause problems if they don't have a BOL. Obviously, I mean, I, I can't even. I, I never would have thought this would happen, but it does. It doesn't happen often, but it does. And when it does, what you should do is have a short form BOL in your truck, and you can buy those at like office supply stores. They're you know a couple bucks, and just carry a couple blank ones in your truck, so that if somebody does try to load something onto your truck with no accompanying paperwork, you can pull out the BOL and fill it all out there, make them sign it, and, and usually that'll that'll kind of cover your butt. Right. Right. Now, the next item you mentioned on your list is not getting paid detention. Would this uh, have something to do with, we talked about this on a a recent episode where you got stuck for, what, eight hours, nine hours waiting for, uh, you know, the load to to get put in your trailer. Is that what we're talking about here? Yep, that's exactly it. So typically the industry kind of standard, and this this is standard is not necessarily a hard and fast rule, but typically if you're at a shipper receivers for more than two hours, they should start paying you detention. So they should start paying you an hourly rate um, for being stuck there longer than it should normally take to load your or unload your truck. And um, they should be paying you for your time. Oh, interesting. So two hours and gosh, that even from my perspective, I'm like really two hours to load the truck up, but Hey, what do I know? Yeah, it shouldn't, it shouldn't, two hours should be plenty of time to get the truck loaded or unloaded. But in reality, the loading and unloading takes 20 to 30 minutes and you know they have to count the the pallets they have to count the number of boxes or whatever on the pallets and sometimes that takes a little bit of time and and finishing the paperwork but even with all that being done it it really shouldn't take more than two hours to get you in and out of a facility so what does the broker have to do with getting paid detention and how how can the broker relationship potentially screw you over so they, they're the ones that kind of coordinate that. So oftentimes, and here's kind of the best practices. If you're stuck, if you're at a place at two hours and and you know they're not going to be done with you like really soon, you call the broker and say, hey, I've been here for two hours. I'm still not loaded or unloaded. Um, I'm, I want to start charging detention right then. So you need to let them know that that's what's happening and keep, kind of keep them in the loop. And then um, let them know once you've got loaded and and the other thing that you really need to do if you want any chance of getting any kind of detention is you need to make that shipper receiver, the facility where you're at, put your in and out times on the BOL. Because then that's what you can use as proof and show the uh, 
the broker that, hey, they held me longer than they should have and, and I want to get paid for it. And then they can go back to the shipper, provide the copy of the BOL showing that the in and out times at their facility. And, you know, not all of them are going to be paid attention, but a lot of the times you can. I mean, you're going to get it every now and again and, and you should always fight for it and try to get it. And um, that's though doing those things are what is going to give you the best chance of being able to get paid attention. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's move on to lumper payments, which is a term you've got here that I do not know at all. Yeah, lumpers, they're kind of one of the biggest things in the industry that I absolutely don't understand. So a lot of times when you go to even like, say, a Associated Foods, the guys that are unloading the truck inside the Associated Foods facility aren't actually Associated Foods employees. They're a third party called a lumper service that loads and unloads and so you actually have to pay them separate to unload your truck interesting and yeah. yeah i can imagine okay now that i know what that is i can see where that would cause some potential issues and they caught it's crazy they they charge like crazy amounts of money there's like I, I've, I've had i've been charged 150 bucks to pull two pallets off of a truck i mean I, it's not it, it's usually like 200 bucks for them to to unload your truck and, you know, that's like 20 minutes worth of work and they are getting paid 200 bucks for it. It's kind of crazy. That's amazing. So what does your broker relationship have to do with this? So usually the brokers and the shippers are going to pay that. You know, so the, the broker kind of handles the transaction because they're the middleman. But you usually don't have to pay that money out of your pocket. Sometimes you have to pay it, but then they'll reimburse it. So one of two things happens. You pay it, they reimburse you, or the, you call the broker and the broker gives you a, a comm check or an EFS check for that amount and you can pay it with that. But either way, you've got to save the receipts because if, if they're not going to reimburse you what you paid if you don't provide a receipt showing you paid the lumper fee or if they paid the lumper fee and you don't provide a receipt, they're going to deduct that out of the amount of money that they owe you. You've got to have those receipts. And that happens all the time that guys lose receipts or you know, something happens and it doesn't get submitted with their paperwork and then they're out that lumper fee, which you know, it can be a lot of money. So is this, in this case, is this something that a broker, a good or a bad broker relationship will determine, you know, how they handle it? Uh, or is this, is what you're describing a situation where it's like, you've just got to stay on top of it because their hands are tied if you don't bring them a receipt? Most of the time, their hands aren't necessarily tied. But again, it's that transactional thing. If it's a if it's a broker that operates on transactional relationships, they're not going to try to reach out to that lumper service to get a copy of the receipt, or they're not going to try to reach out to the receiver and say, "Hey, we never got a copy of this lumper receipt. Can you please provide us one?" They they, they just don't care. They're not going to provide it. It's it, it's your mistake. It's your fault. We're not going to help you resolve it. Brokers that that are better to work with and that are you know, do want to have kind of more of that lasting relationship. Oftentimes they'll, they'll try to do what they can to get it. But even in those situations, they can't always get it. Sometimes the receiver doesn't want to play ball and, and they don't want to make the effort to, to get a copy of it. And you're just, you don't get a receipt and then you can't get reimbursed the lumper fee. Right. That makes sense. Okay. So I, I see. So it's, it's in this case, the owner operators fault if they lost the receipt, but there are things a broker could do they just may not do them to help out yeah, uh, sure. okay so so give me some more thoughts i think uh, we're probably 
coming up on the last few minutes here, but give me some more thoughts on what to be careful of with brokers. I'm sure there's a few other things on this list we need to go over. Yeah. So, and, and the rest of the things that I've got are just kind of general generalities. So just, you know, watch out for the brokers who promise the world. You know, if they, if they say they're going to make things super easy for you, or they're going to pay you this super high rate, but it's not in writing, get it in writing, get everything that you possibly can in writing. So you take, for example, I've, I've had this situation happen to me a couple of times where um, I've taken a load last minute that the previous carrier that was assigned to that load had not showed up at the shipper, had a mechanical breakdown or something. They couldn't show up at the shipper to pick up that load. So I take it and, and you know, that first guy was supposed to be there at 10 o'clock. Well, it's noon now. It's two hours past the time that they were supposed to be there even before I even accept the load and the broker says, oh, yeah, I've already worked it out with the with the shipper. Just show up and they'll get you loaded right away. Well, you show up and then all of a sudden, you know, they say, well, you were supposed to be here two hours ago. Well, yeah, but I didn't even get this load till three hours ago. And and they'll say, well, you're a working. And that means that they'll just get to you when they can get to you. And that means you've got to sit there for two to four hours and you're not going to get detention because the shipper is not going to pay it. And so that's where you, you get that in writing from the broker saying, this is your new appointment time. And if you show up at that time and they keep you there for six hours and you, you, you've got a little bit of leverage there that you might be able to get the broker to pay you some detention. Interesting. Okay. All right. An- another thing that's really super important with these guys is um, reading the terms of the rate sheet. So the rate sheet's that initial contract that shows this is where you're picking up, this is where you're dropping off, this is how much you're getting paid for it, this is what you're going to haul, this is how much it's going to weigh. Well, a lot of the times those brokers put all kinds of crazy conditions in in those rate sheets and you've got to read them. Like they'll, they'll say you've got to make a check call by 8 a.m. every morning or you're going to get fined 50 bucks. If You're going to get fined 50 bucks if you show up an hour later, you're going to get five and find 500 bucks if you show up two hours late. Um, and just some of them put just all these ridiculous terms and conditions in it. In fact, I had one time a few months ago where I I got a rate sheet. I looked at it and I read through the current terms and conditions and I said, I'm not hauling this load. This These guys, they were going to find me for like, because I had to stop and go to the bathroom on the way. I mean, it was ridiculous. And so I just said, screw you guys. I'm not going to haul it. I, I don't like doing business with those kind of people. Well, I can see why. <laughs> when you got to go, you got to go, Chris. <laughs> yeah, you do. You know, another one, I think we talked a little bit about this already, but just watch out for the new brokers, guys that have been around for less than 12 months. I mean, that's, I already told the story. That's kind of how I got screwed. And and a couple of things that you can do if it's a new broker that, that doesn't have a credit history or something like that, look at their websites um, and see if they have a website, look up the address and see if they've got a legitimate business there, if it's just a home. And those things aren't necessarily telltale signs that they're bad. But it's just you need to do a little bit more due diligence. Um, you know, look up, you know, look up their phone number, call their phone. Um, just just make sure that uh, it is a, it is an actual business because that kind of brings me to the last point that that I want to talk about are fraudulent brokers. So there's brokers out there that um, they make they impersonate a legitimate broker so maybe a landstar they'll somehow make themselves look like their landstar contract with you and get you to haul a load and then never pay you for it so the the ways that you figure that out is look at the email address that the rate confirmation comes from if they say they're from landstar but they're 
email address is landstar.net instead of landstar.com or it's um it's mail.landstar or or landstar at gmail.com or you know just something like that that's weird in the email address huge red flag same thing with the phone numbers you know if they're calling from it's real anybody can make a google phone number and make them free so if they're coming from that it not necessarily means it's illegitimate but it, it's just one of those things you just need to be extra careful and do a little bit more due diligence and you know if it if it's one of those bigger brokerages go online see what their phone number is online call that number instead of the one that's on a, a rate sheet that may not look like it's it's on the up and up right so this kind of sounds like it's getting back to that thing where yeah there are some snakes in the grass out there that you have to watch out for but there's also the issue of, you know, if it's somebody new, they may just not know enough about what they're doing to uh, to mitigate your risk, right? Right. And that's when you just start asking questions and just see if they know what the heck they're talking about. You know, ask them about the shipper. Who's the shipper? Am I allowed to park overnight there? Can I show up early? And they should know those kind of, of answers most of the time pretty quickly. And so if all of a sudden you start asking questions like that and they're tongue-tied and they can't answer them, that's another big red flag. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So this is good then. We've got to watch out for the broker relationship, which is uh, going to be a vitally important one, right, Chris? Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, brand new trucking companies, there's not too many trucking companies that start out that they can avoid heavily relying on brokers. You're going to use, that's all I've used so far um, for that first year. It's it's pretty tough to to find relationships outside of brokers. So you're going to use them, be careful with them, understand them, understand kind of their business a little bit so that you you can catch those red flags and, and avoid getting screwed. Yeah, absolutely. And I am sure that there will be other topics, other don't get screwed editions <laughs> that we'll come up with in the future. Uh, but this is uh, has been an illuminating one. So thanks, Chris. Yeah, it's been good. I definitely, there's going to be a don't get screwed um, from factoring companies because there's with them, there's a lot of snakes in the grass too. And we'll talk a, a little bit about the uh, things to watch out for and, and red flags with them as well at some point. Well, good. Uh, in that case, I will just remind everybody, if you are just tuning in for the first time, make sure you subscribe. Subscribe to Holland Assets on, uh, what is it now? Apple Podcasts. I guess iTunes isn't a thing anymore. Or Spotify <laughs> or Twitcher. Or Twi- what, what is it? Stitcher. Stitcher. That's what it is. <laughs> Twitcher, you're you're con- confusing. You're combining your social medias. Yeah, I I don't look. <laughs> I I know audio, Chris. I don't understand all these social medias. Uh, anyway, <laughs> and make sure that you check out HollandAssetsLLC.com for the full show notes. And uh, Chris, you mentioned a few other places that they can go check out what your companies do. So, uh, MotorCarrierHQ.com, iThrive is at uh, iThrive.com. I thrive. I thrivefunding.com. I'll put all those in the show notes. The links to those two companies will be in the show notes. You can always go check them out there. But yeah, we'd uh, we'd appreciate it if you, uh, like I said, if if you need one of the services that we provide, just consider us. That's, yeah, that's all I ask. Give give them a call. Don't don't call the number on the rate sheet. Google them and give them a call and give them a pop quiz. <laughs> give them a pop quiz and see if they know what they're talking about. There you go. <laughs> all right, perfect. I will talk to you next week then, Chris. Okay, we'll see you then. Thanks, Greg. <laughs>